0: Welcome to the first episode of Vista Mole Renaissance, recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Homestone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who has only ever written letters to one mole candidate, but we can't talk about him yet, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and it is a renaissance of our podcast, even though we've only actually technically been away, what, like 11 days? Th- no, th- 13 days it is between mole recaps and like a week since uh, your Shane and Andrew interview.
1: Yeah, and with the Amazing Race 32 coming up, and more, more and doing more Belgian mole historian podcasts that we're spoilers. working on at the moment. Spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> I don't think it's a spoiler after we did the Argentina one, and we already released saying we're going to do South Africa too. So
0: I haven't put a time frame on it deliberately, just in case. <laughs> that will hopefully be announced at the end of the season. <laughs>
1: So it is like a little renaissance for us right now because we'll probably be doing lots of recordings for the next month and a half, roughly. <laughs> yeah,
0: this is the this is the first actual live episode we've had to talk about since the end of Belgian Mole. So
1: that would put it at five or four four over four months.
0: <laughs> it's roughly four months ish. It was the first week of May that we uh, we finished Belgian Mole Greece. And we're now um, we're now here for our renaissance with um, another coronavirus hit country in Italy.
1: Well, they were hit really, really hard right after the last of Vidim season aired. Right after China, or I think right towards the end of China's airing is when Italy got hit really hard. That would have been back in March.
0: Yeah, it was a fun joke for me to make, going, "Yeah, next year they're actually going to go to South Korea and join a cult because they have somehow managed to." Um, to go to the two countries that were worst hit at the start of the coronavirus.
1: Yeah, China and then Italy.
0: <laughs> mm, can't wait for the American season next year.
1: <laughs> Florida. Florida's coming.
0: Yeah, it's Vidum, Florida next year, and then the year after is going to be Vidum, Brazil. And then just for funsies, they're going to go to Australia and New Zealand together and make sure they have coronavirus too.
1: It's going to be interesting. I know we're jumping ahead of full season already, but... It's going to be interesting how eager they're going to be to make sure they have one season a year, to make sure they can have another season possibly by February or March, because, I mean, they could do it. They could do a domestic season or a season within the Schengen zone if they
0: really wanted to. They have already said they're going to try and film one as soon as possible. However, as I said to you earlier, I don't think we're going to get another Vidim season until March at the absolute earliest. I suspect that they will use September again next year, though. I think they'll film early next year and um, go to the Southern Hemisphere somewhere and um, and release it in September. That's my gut feeling on it.
1: If that's the, if your gut feeling is proves to be true, I think Brazil would actually be the next location then, because they have the least amount of restrictions of any South American country.
0: Yeah, I'd be very, very surprised if we finish this in October and then immediately go into Vidum in January.
1: I guess we'll see. I guess it's there's a lot of uncertainty in the reality t v industry right now. Amazing race could be permanently cancelled potentially. no one really knows
0: <laughs> reserving judgment until after amazing race thirty two but fingers crossed um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it could be or just another well most most likely the case is it's just gonna be a another really long break for the amazing race after. Both their Israeli version and the American version have already been on really long breaks.
0: Yeah, and, and weirdly, we're recording this on Sunday, um, the Israeli version actually came back tonight.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, today was the premiere date for a season that filmed two years ago.
0: Yeah, 2018, December it, it filmed, because it was pretty much the same time that, um, that Amazing Race 32 was in the Philippines, I believe.
1: Yeah, and then 32 is airing uh, starting next month so far. So it's crazy that the only two seasons that were in the can were from two years ago. So it's a very odd time for these reality shows. There's no set schedules that are quite lining up to either A, for when they're filming it, or B, when they broadcast it on TV.
0: And talking of complete uncertainty, we didn't get this cast confirmed until before the... uh the actual premiere, which meant that we couldn't do for once our um, cast preview, because I really wanted to do a cast preview on this season. We didn't get it till like three days ago? Uh, we didn't get it until it aired last night, and there were somewhere between about 30 and 40 names rumoured. Going all the way back, there was a rumour of someone from season one coming back, which obviously didn't happen.
1: It's funny because the the filming schedule was really short for this season, right? I'm going to guess probably not even two weeks.
0: I'm not sure, because it's two episodes less than normal, um, and it filmed October-November last year. It was middle of October to early November, I think. So it's sort of two and a half-ish weeks. Between two and two and a half weeks, I think.
1: Because what's the standard for... I know they do pre-production stuff with the cast um, before they actually shoot a season, but the actual shooting time is typically 20 days for the Dutch version?
0: Yeah, it's 20 days, 10 shows-ish.
1: Yeah, so if they only do eight episodes, I'm going to guess it could be as short as 16 days for their filming schedule.
0: Yeah, but the the counterpoint to that is the fact that Anita went on day two last season and Tina went on day three this one. Oh. So they might be spreading them out a little bit more. Interesting. And yeah, like I said, there were about the Eater 40 names rumoured for this season, going all the way back to season one, as it is. They've completely retconned the first five seasons, because even with the old moles coming back, we don't see anyone from the first five seasons. They completely do not acknowledge Queen Angela's seasons for some reason. Um, But we do have representatives from seasons 6, 7, 8, 11, 14, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Weirdly, in terms of hosts, there's someone from both of Carol's seasons, two from Peter Yadden's four seasons from out seven seasons, and then someone from both of Rick's seasons so far.
1: Yeah, it's not quite like Survivor Winners at War, whether they did get the f- people from the first couple of years, they're really big characters. But here, yeah, those first five years just get the shaft.
0: Yeah, and I was saying this to you earlier, I actually did a quick run-through of the previous cast, just to see of the seasons that I've seen, which is uh, 10, 11, and then 13 to the present day who I would have brought back. Because there are some notable exceptions. Um, I'm sure you would agree that there should have been someone back from Japan, given it's one of our favourite seasons.
1: Yeah, isn't I typically regarded as like the best Vidum season is Japan?
0: That and Georgia, yeah. Both of which you've seen. I mean, it's a bit of a shock that Aryan didn't come back, given he was one of the most popular Vidum candidates ever, and one of the most suspected candidates ever, until he went. If they'd extended it to people who made the final, I kind of would have liked to see Fritz, just because just it's Fritz, and Fritz is awesome. Fritz Sissing is the mole. <laughs> God, we need to cover that season at some point. It's, it's my favourite. Um, it's quite a shock that South Africa didn't get any representation, given that that is one of the most popular seasons. Um, especially when Janine was rumoured, who was one of the first medevacs and actually got her spine compressed on the mole. That might
1: discourage her from wanting to play again. That might not be a production decision, that might be a candidate's decision.
0: Yeah, but there, there was a strong rumour that she was going to be one of the people coming back as a as a result of that, because she never got executed as a result of it. I would have loved to see literally anyone from Hong Kong, Philippines that isn't Tico come back, because anyone who's ever heard me talk about that season knows I really, really dislike Tico. He is one of my least favourite reality TV candidates ever. He's the absolute worst, he was a complete bully on his season, and he is going to be my hunching bag this season, just to warn everyone now. Even though she was on a season with Ellie, I would have loved to see uh, Cecile come back as well, because she was an icon. I would have preferred to see Diedrich or Emanuela from um, Oregon. Um, Emanuela is the most used Vidim gif that I use. Her at the laser assignment, shooting a gun, which I'm sure I've sent you repeatedly. I'm quite surprised they didn't bring anyone other than Ron back from Georgia.
1: Cause that's that's a that's a great cast from top to bottom. It's very... Ra- Ron has had the most random success with Venom because he he's done the interviews. He did the interviews for...
0: The finale. It yeah, was for the finale, yeah. Columbia one. It was the Columbia one, because I was studying the audience, and I think I sent you a text just going, what the fuck is Ron doing here? <laughs>
1: So, that was a huge surprise to see Ron not only get that finale gig for Columbia, but be the sole representative from the Georgia season.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised he's back, given he's inexplicably popular with um, with the Dutch public, but given how strong that cast was, you could have given me Molche. Come on!
1: Molche, Ruben, yeah, like any of those and uh, you can even extend it a bit further to the remainder of the cast, but Ron is just such a random choice.
0: <laughs> Talking of people who were obviously going to come back, but then stop some of our favourites coming back, not surprised Nikki's back, but you could have given us c as well.
1: <laughs> For the 50 people who listen to this podcast, we really needed c <laughs>
0: I just really wanted another season of CDN Sabotages, I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
1: So, I don't know too much about how popular these celebrities are within the Netherlands, but...
0: They're random. I'll be honest, they are random. Of these ten people who actually did come back, seven of them I've seen their seasons, three of them I like, (laughs) I would say.
1: Like they're so they're not action so they didn't go for people who are like more popular for their other work in the Netherlands, like this is just like this is they're equally random within the context of Netherlands entertainment as they are within Vidom entertainment,
0: yeah, there's at least one person in this cast whose season I've seen, and I had to send friend of the podcast Bindles a message going, just remind me who this was, <laughs> and it's actually quite bad because i I liked him in this episode, but I just had no recollection of him ever existing. <laughs> because there's a lot of people in this cast who were very early Boots. You have Ron, who was obviously the first Boot. You have Nikki, who was the second Boot. Tina, who was the second Boot. Ellie, who was like fourth Boot, I think. Tico went inexplicably far. We don't acknowledge his existence. Horace is a very early Boot. I think Peggy and Nadja, I haven't seen their seasons, but I think they were both the final Boot before the finale. Patrick definitely was. Yaron um, was... fifth. Be- I think. Yeah, so he was kind of mid-season. There's a lot of early people coming back. More than you'd expect.
1: Yeah. Well, you can't even say that Ron was on Vidham Georgia, because he didn't even get to go to Georgia as a contestant. He was executed before he was even in Georgia.
0: He was, and he came back for one challenge, which actually means that in this season, he's managed to more than double his own challenge personal best. <laughs>
1: Like, even the first execution, Ron's like, yes, I've made it through one
0: execution. For the first time ever, I've seen a green screen.
1: <laughs> in fact, he's only played the all with one other contestant. He's only played it with one person in a cast of ten. And then he gets to play with nine other people. Like, that had to be overwhelming as hell for him.
0: I know that there are going to be some Dutch people who correct us on this entire segment, but... As far as I am aware, Ron is inexplicably popular. Nikki is an obvious choice given that she's very, 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 very popular and potentially the most popular person who's ever been on. But a lot of these choices are very random. Yeah, because so we,
1: we, we lurk around the Vidim forums a little bit. I mean, we don't I don't really read Dutch, but these these people aren't exactly names you see get brought up.
0: Now these are not the sort of people you you see be invited to do anything else on Vidom, really. Like we've
1: You and I have seen all-star seasons that have dated back over 15 years now. The all-star themes have been around for 15 years in reality TV. And there's always jokes every couple years about an all-star season where it's like, man, this cast is really random. But I'm thinking through all the casts that Survivor has done with all-star seasons. And there'll be some winners in there. There'll be some finalists in there on top of the random early boots or mid boots that no one really remembers. Big Brother All Stars is going on right now. There's a few people in there that have left people scratching their head, or in the case of Keisha, people just flat out don't remember. We had Big Brother Canada 5, but they did have some finalists in there in their fans versus favorites theme. But I think Vidim has to be given the award out of the 20 or so All Star seasons that have happened worldwide for it having the most. Random collection of people and the most obscure people to make up an all-star season because they don't have any. They don't have any finalists and they don't really have any iconic players within this group.
0: Honestly, I can make an argument for three of these people being here, and they're the three that I am most excited about seeing again, which is Ellie, Ron, and Nikki. Because Ron is inexplicably popular. I would have been surprised if they'd done vidum all-star season without him even though he was a first boot and played with one other person and literally got to go to the destination country for maybe an hour nikki is the most popular person probably ever to be on vid and brings that fan base that we talked about when we covered columbia Mm -hmm. ellie is an absolute icon (laughs) she is one of those people who we discussed a lot when we covered the Belgian-Mole-Argentina season, which you should listen back to because it is probably my favourite season we've ever done in terms of our coverage. Um, she's completely and utterly unaware of how she comes across to people. And it's brilliant. Because, as you might have picked up from the context in, she's a police sergeant, maybe an ex-police sergeant now, I can't actually remember, but she was at the time she did Vidum, a police sergeant, who essentially tried to run every single operation like a police operation. And when there was... Um, Walkie talk is involved. She was the queen of A Discipline and making sure only one person was talking at the same time. That was she her. Is, okay. Yeah. She is such a fun character. And I'm brilliantly pleased that they got her back because she's so unaware of how she comes across to people. But they're the only three who I can really make an argument to coming back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like Ron, Ron gets the like redemption. Uh, spot, right? Like, the guy who went home, too, really didn't really get to play. They have those on every All-Star season, but usually just one of those. And then, yeah, you have Nikki, who, as I was asking before, she's, like, no one in this cast even remotely compares to her popularity, right? Right.
0: A hundred percent, no. She's, well, between Columbia and now, she's not only increased her popularity a lot, she was meant to do the online stuff for um, Eurovision when that came to the Netherlands this year, but obviously that got cancelled. I think she is doing it again this year, or she's doing it again next year when it actually comes to the Netherlands, hopefully. She also had her big coming out video. She is very, very popular compared to the rest of the cast.
1: Yeah, what else were they going to... Damn it, I had something in my head about Nikki that I... Oh yeah, with how much airtime she got this episode, it was clear that they know she's the most popular person because Nikki got a hell of a lot of airtime this episode.
0: Yeah, this is the sort of thing that I would have brought up in a separate um, separate preview episode, but Nikki got a lot of airtime just like she did in Columbia. In Colombia, she got so much airtime in her three episodes to the point where they delayed her execution by an entire episode. For a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah they did a cliffhanger that they didn't need to do because they knew nikki was going home and it meant that um, they could convince her fans to keep tuning in that is the power of nikki having said that if you remember back to our columbia coverage she did get a banner i think all three of her weeks and that is continuing this week because she gave me such a giggle in the uh, in the third challenge which logan hasn't seen much of which we'll get into in a bit tico I have never heard anyone say anything positive about Tico. I don't think he's that popular in the Netherlands. He was a massive villain in his season. And, like I said, is one of my least favourite people ever to be on a reality TV season. I cannot make an argument for him being back.
1: What's funny is, we just saw Vidum China, and I honestly could not remember much about Tina. Other than she rode in the taxi alone, That's and that she got really lost in the taxi, I think that's all I
0: remember. We will get into this, but Tina in China reminded me a lot of Tina in Renaissance, because Tina is very entertaining. I can kind of see why they brought her back, but she is terrible at vias <laughs> de She is genuinely awful at it, which is brilliant, but she did make me laugh a lot in this episode. So, we open over the hills of Tuscany. Old fiats seem to be driving through the countryside, and the first challenge begins right now in a particularly Vidum style, much to my irritation over the past few years. They keep doing this, which is not actually telling us anything about the challenge. The first challenge is called Mirror Statue, and they've all written letters to the mole. and as they're introduced, we see quotes from said letters. And we are first introduced to homeless Tico, and I'm not entirely convinced he's not living in the Fiat that he's driving.
1: They got whatever ten people they could uh, for this season.
0: When I saw the cast photo of this season, regardless of my opinions of Tico, some of these people look exactly the same, Tina, obviously, given it's, like, four months between when she filmed it and uh, when she filmed Renaissance. Some people have got a lot better. Some people, like Tico, look like they're living under a bridge.
1: There's no shortage of bridges in the Netherlands, so good luck finding him.
0: No, he, he genuinely looks like he lives under a bridge, shouting at by.
1: Don't you know who I am? I'm Tico.
0: Don't you know who I used to be? And he opens an envelope telling him to go forwards, but look backwards. Nadja is next to be introduced. She spots on the back of the signs that she's driving past that they also have messages on them. The first one we see her pass says, In the village square, you must come into view together through self-reflection. This will earn you a €1,000 for the pots. And a telephone number. Tina is third to be reintroduced, and she promises to grab the mole by its small brown neck. Tico's second message is that this winding road amongst the Cypresses leads to the village of Monticello. A few fellow candidates are waiting there, while you enjoy the view, you can already ask them to look for themselves. When Ron is fourth up, he promises to treat them all like a gas leak, and he drives backwards, doing the exact opposite of what the note actually told him to do, and I do wonder why he went out almost immediately the last time. <laughs> and he spots a sign saying, Welcome in Val Ossia," a region of Tuscany consisting of a hilly landscape south of Siena and several villages. From now on, you have until 11 o'clock. And he gets another phone number. Your own is fifth he's waiting in town Nikki's sixth she'll be the darling of the group again and they both have phones as does tina peggy is seventh up not that we see anything other and ron spots the phone number on the sign but actually reads it out wrong and gets a um, this phone is unavailable message giving us flashbacks to china ellie is the eighth to be introduced and she says maybe she'll see who the mole is in their eyes and the group in the town split up they don't actually know who's going to be joining them Patrick is ninth up, he says that they will make it difficult for the Mold this time as returning players, and Horace is the last to be introduced, and says the Mold is both lucky and unlucky. Lucky to have a second chance, but unlucky that they're facing a group of experienced people who know what to look for.
1: Experienced?
0: (laughs) Some of them are. There's a quick divide that you can uh, make in this group between the people who lasted a while and the people who didn't.
1: And none of them even made the finale.
0: And in probably my favourite moment of the challenge, Nikki asks someone in the town what the message on the mirror means, and Tina has to point out to her that it's in Dutch and they won't know.
1: You know, you know all those people in Italy who speak Dutch.
0: In a remote Tuscan village, you'll find a Dutch speaker easily. (laughs)
1: Good luck even finding an English speaker in a, for my experience in a remote Italian village.
0: Yeah, I thought that. Of the two of us, you've probably got most experience of being in random Italian villages where nobody speaks English.
1: Your best bet is, you know, well, I think the first English-speaking person I ran ran into when I was in Calabria was a woman from the Philippines who was a nun. She was the first English speaking person I ran into, and she's not even Italian.
0: And Tina gets a call and asks if it's Rick. Horace says no, but they are the same height. And he starts reading the board, but they hang up on him before he finishes. Experience group. Well, maybe he's moling by hanging up the phone, you never know. (laughs) This is the problem we're going to have with this season, because as I'm going to get into, we are going to be doing the pool again, and the pool is slightly delayed because we're basically going to give the three of us enough time to put a list together. The problem that we have is a lot of these people are really not suspicious. (laughs) Because of the experience of knowing who these people are, on the whole for me at least, a lot of these people don't seem suspicious to me, and it's going to give me really bad tunnel vision really quickly.
1: That's true, I guess this is really the first... Well, you had Corbin Burnson and Stephen Baldwin play back-to-back seasons in the American version, but overall this is the first time where it's like a group, group of people we've all seen before, or he you'd watched all the seasons, as a group of people you've all seen before. So it's like, well, this like, so for instance, you have say Nikki, who was in a season where they had a really, really low pot by the end of the game. So, you know, hmm, Nikki's not going to do too well in these challenges. So if she's the mole, you're not really going to catch on to her being any better or any worse at challenges. It's like, oh, well, that's the Columbia cast. The Columbia cast sucked at challenges. So that's one that's one way to uh, deflect suspicion.
0: Yeah, and also the downside of half of this cast being early boots is the fact that we really don't know how they would have done if they'd got further, whether they would have been able to sabotage or not. Because if you look at someone like Ellie, whether she's a police officer or not at the moment, I'm not 100%. I did actually try and find this when she was part of the rumoured cast list. I'm not 100% whether she's still in the police force or not. I think she is, but I'm not. I can't guarantee it. Basically, would she accept a role as the mole? Would she accept a role as being a villain? That is a tough question because knowing Ellie from her five episodes total or whatever it is now, I'm not sure she would.
1: That's interesting too. The production that production has to think about that too when picking their mole. They have to th- they have to think about how they were perceived previously and how they can. I assume they want to have the. Whoever gets picked as the mole needs to replicate their behavior from the first time.
0: Yeah, because going into Columbia, you could pretty much rule out Nikki, because Nikki was so popular and has such young fans, that she didn't want to be the mole and show them that cheating is good. Which is why you tend to get a lot of middle-aged moles where they're just like, I don't really give a fuck how people perceive me anymore.
1: Yeah, your career is set in stone. A lot of the people who are a bit older don't don't rely on a social media following. It's kind of why Big Brother All-Stars is doing so horribly right now. It's because it's a bunch of younger people who who want to last as long as they can so they get the most social media followers for whatever social media career they're planning after All-Stars
0: is over. It really messes with your mind, this sort of stuff. And this is brilliant that they've brought an All-Star cast together. Whether this All-Star cast is a brilliant one is a whole other argument, but... The past perception is probably going to come into this season a lot, I suspect.
1: Well, you know who doesn't have to worry about past perception is Ron. Like, does anyone know how Ron plays? I don't think Ron
0: knows how Ron plays.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's just figuring it out as he goes.
0: Ron is essentially David in Big Brother All-Stars going... I went on day one last time. I have no fucking clue how to play this game. I'm just going to play it like a newbie and just go on with it. <laughs> but the other thing you've got to bear in mind, I would say, is that production are probably going to pick someone who's popular to guarantee that they stay as long as possible. That's the other thing that plays into this sort of a season, is that to make this such a big kind of monumental season, they've got a kind of ensure that the mole will be a respected one and a popular one, I think.
1: So does that rule out uh, Tico?
0: It does in my mind. He's an arsehole. He was actually on his best behaviour in this episode, so me calling him an arsehole this episode's probably not going to seem that kind.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, like, I didn't really notice anything from him other than what, you know, he needed a shave.
0: He was needlessly aggressive in Hong Kong and the Philippines. He was really, really rude. At points.
1: Wasn't the season that season like over 10 years ago now?
0: Now it's 2014.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, five, six years. He could change. He could wa- watch. could have seen himself on TV and realized, hmm, that didn't come across all that well.
0: So Patrick reveals that there is a rack for the mirrors near the church and then promptly falls over the chain around the cenotaph when telling people. And they finally work out the point of the game, which is to find the 10 mirrors around the town, put them in the rack, and find your own quote on the mirror. They split up to find more mirrors, and the duos they pick are Patrick and Tico, Ellie and Horace, Tina and Ron, Nikki and your own, and Peggy and Nadja. Now that we see them. Ellie and Horace find three of the mirrors whilst the other pairs are finding none, and they earn a thousand euros by getting all the mirrors, but nobody knows their own quotes, so they earn a thousand euros of possible two thousand for the challenge, and Rick just decides on his own that Patrick is the treasure.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I don't remember them debating at all as to who would be the treasure. He just pops
0: forward and takes the cash. And something else to mention is that with Rick there, technically 11 seasons are represented in this cast because nobody came back from Rick's cast. And going into the final game where some of the old moles come back, you can actually bump that up by another two. So really they did quite well getting representatives in this first episode from 13 of the 20 seasons so far.
1: That's respectable.
0: Yeah. We are not criticizing this cast necessarily. It's just some of them are a little bit kind of random choices. Her? Yeah. Half of this cast you can go, huh? What? I don't remember them at all. I'm, uh, I, it would be
1: great to talk to somebody from production to see what the thinking was into putting this cast together, especially staying far away from finalists and then where how they chose the people from there. Was it just that
0: there was no one really available? So we actually get the intro now, because unlike most seasons, they couldn't even release that on social media. And I love how half of the intro shots are car-themed.
1: Yeah, just from the very first... You can tell what they filmed all of this on the first day.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, just go drive that random Fiat to this camera and just pose for us, please.
1: It's like a, it's like one of those uh, car calendars, but instead of having like women in bikinis, it's just Dutch mole contestants posing in or around the car.
0: But it's only half of them, that's what makes it better.
1: <laughs> well, they had to vary the shots.
0: And Nikki asks why the Patrick is the treasurer already, and she says she wants to do it. At which point, Rick walks in, joins him at dinner, and asks who the treasurer is. And Patrick sets him. Patrick is then asked to provide two candidates uh, who want to earn money that evening and he chooses Ellie and himself, and they are sent off over the terrace to another table. The other eight are then asked for a list with common Italian first names. And they list them all quite quickly. However, they list all males. And there is a question of whether they were asked for just male ones or female ones as well. And I have to say, I know you think the same thing on this challenge. This list was so mold.
1: Yes, this was a very... Very Mold challenge.
0: The Mole was probably told two things about this challenge. Number one, that the treasurer actually had powerful ones, which doesn't always happen in Fidim seasons anymore. There is one season where it happened a lot, and the Mole ended up being the treasurer, and it caused absolute carnage. But two was that the longer the list, the harder it's going to be. So they just need to keep rattling off these names, and boy, do they rattle off these names.
1: There is there's some obscure... Like, what I would do is just name off the characters I remember from The Godfather and just write those names down. Luca Brasi.
0: Don. Don.
1: (laughs) Vito. Sonny.
0: But I I love how the names that we basically hear are either names of the Ninja Turtles or names from (laughs) Nintendo games. And I'm fully aware... Mario, Luigi. (laughs) Nobody called me ignorant here. I'm fully aware of where the Ninja Turtle names came from. But seriously, the names we hear them ask about on the whole are Mario and Luigi and Michelangelo. (laughs) And it just made me laugh so hard. Because
1: you got to think, like, ever since there's like like, the Mario games are celebrating their 35th year anniversary. So I think it's safe to say that 90% of the people in the town who are named Mario or Luigi have to be 36 years or older. Because believe it or not, people aren't as eager to name their kids Mario or Luigi after Nintendo became popular.
0: I would have loved it if the mole just got like Bowser and Peach and (laughs) Toad. Yeah. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Are you named Bowser? Is your name Link? (laughs) I'd love it if they just walked into a shop and, and asked someone, Are you called Link? And he just went, Ellipsis.
1: Yeah. No, my name is Error.
0: <laughs> no, after an unfortunate incident I can't talk about my name was changed to Thief.
1: Or go go into another shop and there's a guy with an eye patch who's like, oh, we should have written down King K rule. I feel so dumb.
0: But what impresses me the most about this is they got those name tags printed off super quick. It was actually quite impressive. They got them all typed in the mold font really, really fast. So Ellie and Patrick will enjoy Tuscan cuisine at dinner and must set the table. They have to bet money up to 2,000 euros on guests with those names appearing at dinner. If they appear, they earn the money. If not, they lose the money from the pot. The other eight have 45 minutes to run around the town and find people with the names that they listed to try and maximise the chance of them winning. And this is a very
1: bold aspect too, because suddenly all of these pairs are telling people to lie about their name while the cameras are on them.
0: Yeah. It's outside-the-box thinking, but the mole has never rewarded outside-of-the-box thinking. It's not Taskmaster.
1: And it's also Dutch mole. Dutch mole's a bit more rigid, too.
0: Yeah, there is absolutely nothing that allows you to bend the rules unless you're the mole. You see someone like Rob deleting high-value notes from those tablets in the uh, Chinese market last season, but he was the mole. He's allowed to do those things. If you are a candidate, you are not allowed to do those things and you will get caught, especially as it's on camera. Camera's on, microphone's on. I
1: don't know what they were thinking, but that part was definitely like this. This is why I've ruled out Ellie or Patrick as the mole at this point because writing the names and then making the locals lie about their names when they knew they weren't going to get away with it. It's like, man, this is why you need people who made it to the end of their respective mole seasons because this challenge just gets completely ruined and it just seemed way too easy for the mole to get everyone on board with the whole male names thing. I mean, they did question why why are there no female names, but there wasn't a strong enough voice that even said, oh yeah, we should get some female names on there. It was like, oh, oh no, no, we need male
0: names. Let's try and actually find some women in this town.
1: Yeah, it's not like certain countries where women aren't allowed to be in public as much. This is Italy. Uh, you're going to see women around town, believe it or not. They're not at home uh, cooking dinner and doing your laundry all day. like this. They're allowed to be outside, believe it or not.
0: Even better is the fact they actually convinced some women to pretend they were called male names. Because there were some women at those tables. And also, my other favourite thing about this challenge was Ron chasing down a car. Because Ron, just proving his complete lack of experience in this season, just chases down cars and just begs people to eat with him.
1: Yeah. If only he jumped on top of the car like an action movie and started banging on the roof. Come have dinner with me. You have no idea how badly I want to get through this first execution.
0: I'll do Anything. Anything. <laughs> Don't make me cut the brakes. You know what would have been even funnier is if um when Ron rang someone, um they just went, Yeah, we're not in Tuscany, friend. We're actually in Rome.
1: He, oh yeah, it's like he's like, damn it, this happened to me again. I go to Georgia and I'm stuck in the Ukraine. Hot the
0: dumber. So, unsurprisingly, the names who lied didn't count. 500 euros of names arrived, but 750 didn't, including all the liars, and the dirty, dirty cheats of the world, giving them a huge total of minus 250 of a possible 2,000 for this challenge. And Ellie Lust is pissed. <laughs> she is so angry at them. Well, she's one of those who's had
1: the most success amongst this group of ten, right? Within Vidim?
0: Uh, yeah, she was fourth, fifth boot, I think.
1: Same with Patrick too, right? He made it quite far?
0: Patrick was fourth place. Patrick was last boot before the finale.
1: Okay, so you have the two most successful people not really participate in this challenge, and four out of five of the other eight haven't made it further than a couple rounds into their season. What do you think is going to happen?
0: See, it's a really weird one, because the season that Ellie was on is a pretty bad season. It's one of the Dark Age seasons of Vidom. It's kind of plodding, and had a terrible, terrible, terrible mole. That was the mole that got um, got identified after week two. By the way, which 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 location? Dominican Republic. Ah. Dominican Republic was the uh, the season that literally I'd say ninety percent of people in the Netherlands knew who the mole was after week two, just based on their sabotages. No, based on a very very blatant clue that was in episode two. But Ellie is a delight. In her four episodes. (laughs) Ellie is brilliant as a character, and in fact, I believe has hosted something to do with the Dutch version of Hunted since, as an ex-copper. But Ellie is a delight. It's it's one of those weird things where you look at the casting of that season and go, there are some really brilliant people in that season, but holy shit, that season's terrible. It's the same with the Oregon season. The Oregon season, I actually have a bit of a soft spot for, because it's got quite a good cast. But the mole in that season is so good that you kind of ignore how bad the rest of the season is. Right. But that's for you to look at off air. Because I kind of want you to watch those seasons, but you're not allowed to hold it against me when those seasons are terrible (laughs) and have just some bright spots. So on day two, they are all individually taken to a castle in Poppy and Rick meets them and tells them they can make two and a half thousand euros today and earn valuable information. Upstairs, someone who knows how a mole works is waiting to talk to them. They will also walk past five boxes, but can't open any of them. The boxes contain an exemption, a Yoka, 250 euros, 250 euros again, and absolutely nothing. Interestingly, I was kind of intrigued at this after the first challenge when they got the 1,000 euro note. The 250 euro note features Ellie in Dominican Republic, and the number 280310048588. And yes, I did pause the screen to find out what that number was. It doesn't translate on a phone keyboard, because I've checked, and if that is a clue at the end of the season, I'm going to be smug. And at the back of the room is someone with their back to them. As it turns out, two people of the cast will get each visitor, and each visitor is an old mole. Now, because Logan hasn't seen all the old Dutch seasons...
1: And neither have our listeners.
0: And neither have some of our listeners. I did tell Logan to skip pretty much this entire challenge. He knows who the first person was, and sadly... That's one of my favourite moles of these five. But we are not going to talk about who the moles were as a result of that. What we are going to talk about is the rest of the challenge because I'm going to just ignore all references to who the moles are and just talk about the rest of the challenge. Logan has no notes for this bit so this is going to be solely me. Each mole gives an individual speech to the person and I suspect those speeches are probably going to end up being a clue given it's calling back to an old clue um but then they give a speech saying the mother's soul's purpose is to keep the pot as low as possible and sabotage you as a candidate behind your back and they set out two rules after they finish speaking each candidate can go back the way they came and can only move forward not backwards and take one thing out of a box now this is the of all this is a very belgian style challenge and this is played horribly by pretty much everyone in this cast (laughs) Of the cast of ten, seven of them get nothing.
1: And there was only one box that had nothing.
0: Well, by the time they turned around, there was two, because whilst the mole was talking to each candidate, someone snuck into the room and removed the exemption from the final box.
1: Pardon me, two of the five, forty 40% chance you get nothing.
0: Yeah, so each person, even though they've been on the mole before, and a lot of them have played the Path of Temptation or a variation on it, especially as it keeps recurring in, uh, in the later seasons... They all know better than to trust what they can see. They all, ironically, have tunnel vision, <laughs> With the exception of Nicky and Ron, who both get a yoker, and Horace, who picks up 250 euros, but only because he picks a box at random.
1: I have a prediction.
0: What is your prediction?
1: <laughs> the pot will not be very high by the end of this season.
0: No. I'm not surprised, but these people have not learnt from their mistakes.
1: And what doesn't help them is that there's only eight episodes this season, as opposed to the usual, what, ten rounds of
0: gameplay? Yeah, so there are no non-eliminations, that there can be, so obviously not everyone's going to get an exemption, and more importantly, mathematically, it doesn't work if there is a reunion episode, which means... Either there's no reunion and they filmed a um, a reveal on location and there isn't going to be a reunion, which could still happen if uh, the Netherlands is locked down, or alternatively, there is a double boot at some point. There literally cannot be a non-elimination unless there's going to be a guaranteed double boot because there isn't a final four in the mole book. It only has space for win or lose a mole in the final page.
1: But hey, at least they got something from this challenge. At least I got 250 euros.
0: Yeah, but the best thing is, Horace doesn't even declare it. It's still technically not in the pot by the end of this episode. Rick mentions it at the execution that someone took money, but the money hasn't been added to the pot yet.
1: Oh, so it could just be money that he pockets for himself.
0: Yeah, it would be worthless if he just pockets it for himself, but in theory, he can just hold on to that more money. Because he doesn't have to tell anyone he's got it.
1: Oh, he's not gonna he's not gonna put in the pot then. That's especially if no one else got money out of it. He's just gonna be like, Well, these losers didn't do anything for me. So yeah, he's he's gonna have a fun night out once he gets back to Amsterdam.
0: Yeah, for the purposes of our reporting, I am gonna include it in the um in the totals. But officially the pot ends the episode at seven hundred and fifty euros of a possible five thousand. In reality, it actually ends it at a thousand out of five thousand.
1: Well, for half of these contestants, that's pretty much what the average pot was when they were eliminated to begin with.
0: In fact, when Ron was eliminated, I think it was minus 3,000, something like that.
1: Yeah, actually at the execution he said, "Um, wait, 750 positive or 750 negative euros?
0: Something interesting that did actually come out of the episode is that they think that the mole was the one who snuck in and stole the exemption. Which, if it was, is a very interesting idea, because, being honest, there's a signature scent to the mole, potentially. If it is a female mole, for example, there's a chance she could be wearing perfume.
1: And plus you have to do that to nine people. You gotta, on the first episode.
0: They never do a meet the mole challenge where the mole actually gets within, like, I think six feet is the record, with the Georgia one. And that was when nobody was expecting it. So, they never do a challenge where the mole gets that close.
1: And because the mole that season was a brilliant mole.
0: Yeah, a very, very sneaky mole. So, I'd be surprised if it was the mole. Either that, or they were told that they had to keep speaking to the old mole and keep their attention on the old mole. But if they were, that makes the argument even worse that, oh, I didn't look around. Or, oh, I didn't expect the uh, exemption to have disappeared. If you know you've got to keep looking forward, something's happening behind you.
1: And we get to our quiz, and... Ron is the only one out of the two who uses a yoker.
0: Well, let's do the proper intro. On day three, it's time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, except for the mole, who has gone home before, but cannot go home this time. I was very proud of rewriting that. I'm going to say it in this episode. Uh, so Horace suspects Tina and Nadja, but Tonavizzi is dangerous. own suspects Nikki, his roommate, because they had to look for mirrors, and she's a beauty vlogger. Nadja says that if Ron is the mole, it would be amazing, but he keeps claiming he just doesn't want to go home. Ron wants to spread on five people Tico, Peggy, Tina, Horace, and Nikki. Nikki suspects Tico because he's all over the place. That's called being without fixed abode, Nikki. Of course, he's all over the place. Uh, Tigo suspects Ellie inexplicably. Tina's looking at who sabotages and who is suspicious. Peggy has a top three, which is Horace, Tina, and Ellie. Ellie says the first test is the one you should spread on. She's going for four people. Patrick says that Ellie is a liar, as he said. I'm living my dream, but she was the one who claimed the mirror with it on. And Horace, Nikki, and Ron, for the first time ever, all get green screens before history repeats itself for Tina, and she gets a red screen again. And she's in disbelief. I think
1: her exact words were, I'm not cut out for Vidim.
0: Yeah. Essentially, if you're looking for who is the loser, call me back, but otherwise I think I'm done with this game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) V is the loser.
0: Little. Say what you want about Tina, but she is very funny. And very self deprecating
1: You kind of have to be when you go home even earlier than you did the first time. And the first time you were gone second. Because the mindset she probably had is, well, I can't do worse than I did the first time unless I'm really unlucky. And then she got really unlucky.
0: Yeah, and Ron's going to be there, so he can go home first again anyway. Uh,
1: That yoker probably saved his ass.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So next week, they transport buckets. Tico refuses a search. There is a laser object. And unlike last season, it actually seems to be a real one. And a black exemption is offered. Boo. Oh, we didn't talk about how I called who got executed. Yes, you did. I skip over it. positive things about you, Saunders. You should know about it right now.
1: Yeah, right before the execution, I messaged you saying, well, I think Tina's going to go based on the edit. And she's like, she's had some airtime, but not a huge amount to set herself up as a big character for the next several episodes. And then she goes home first.
0: I'm proud of you, son.
1: And Ron's blood pressure went drastically down after surviving that first execution. Granted, I guess he did spread between five people and had a yoker. That's a guy who's playing to be not last on a 10-person quiz. He's probably thinking, other players are going to split between two or three. If they're all wrong on those two or three suspects, they're going to have a score of maybe one one out of 20, two out of 20, three out of 20. He's probably thinking, if I split it between five people and use my Joker, I'm not going to get much higher than four, maybe five out of 20, but at least I'll, I'll, I I'll know that I'll be safe from the first round.
0: Yeah, it's enough.
1: It's enough, yeah. he's He pretty much guaranteed himself to not be first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth on that quiz. He's like, if I use this strategy, I'm guaranteed to be... Seventh or eighth out of the nine people who's taking the quiz. Yeah. And it worked. I mean,
0: he survived once. I cannot fault his logic on that. (laughs) Whether he survives any longer is going to be another argument, but
1: yeah. Just imagine, though, if he was executed first, that would be even more brutal than for Tina. Like, Tina, it's like, okay, you made it to second. I mean, and, and this time there's returning players, so it's going to be a bit tougher to survive. Everyone knew to spread on the first quiz. Even Tina said that she spread, and she just got unlucky and spread on the wrong people. But if Ron went first, sense, then it's like, okay, it is confirmed. You are the worst player in V is the Mole history.
0: I think I said this to you when, I, uh, when you were watching the episode. I was hoping and praying it would be Ron just for the comedy value. I thought it would be so funny if Ron ended up going home twice first, because I'm an absolute sadist. <laughs>
1: Especially when Wiesdemol doesn't do returning player seasons too often. It's been 20 years. This is the 21st season, and they're finally bringing people back. And it's like, well, they're, you're not going to have a shot at having a first boot to be the first boot two seasons in a row. Well, I guess we get as close as to it as we can with Tina going, but we don't get that ultimate record of, hey, here's here's our Francesca. Ron is our Francesca for Wiedem.
0: So... Bit of housekeeping, our pool is returning, but the teams will be officially confirmed in next week's recap. You can again give us your first suspicions with the link that I've already tweeted in our social media, and we'll tweet again. And also in the description of this episode, the form will be open until the next episode airs on Saturday evening. And I will be hopefully remembering to check back to see who actually suspects the correct mole. And it is the same form that we're going to use to build our teams. Um, The logic behind us not confirming the teams till next week is basically to give me, Logan and Michelle a little time to think about who our lists are going to be, do the ordering, and then um, I can build the teams in preparation for next week's episode. It does mean that someone is going to claim the boots for next week, and it's going to be delightfully fun already. And I kind of like this way of doing it, I'll be honest. (laughs) It just spreads out the time limit a little bit for us to, uh, to submit our respective lists. Yes. Talking of suspicions, though, Mister Saunders, who are your top three?
1: Uh, not much to go on with the first episode. I mean, the biggest thing is who I've ruled out, who it isn't. Um, Ellie and Patrick. I'm. It's going to be a long time before I reconsider them as a mole suspect. So my top three are uh, Yaron, Own, uh, Naja, and Nikki.
0: See, the weird thing is, we didn't see basically anything of Peggy and Nadja this week. Especially Peggy.
1: Peggy, I was about to... Actually, did we... Is this the first time we've mentioned her?
0: Uh, Well, I mentioned that her and Nadja split up into a pair in the first challenge, but we've genuinely seen nothing of her this episode. Which is really weird, given that she is from the earliest season that they've brought anyone back. She's the most old school of these players. And she went far last time. I think her, Nadja, Patrick, Tico, I think all four of them got to the last boot before the finale. And then Jeroen was was like sixth or seventh, um, as was Horace. Ellie was like seventh. Nikki was obviously eighth. Tina was ninth. Ron was last. I think I've covered everyone there. But yeah, Peggy, Nadja, uh, Patrick, and Tico are the ones in theory that should have the most experience because they lasted pretty much their entire seasons.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's very interesting because I even had that in my notes, or I was going to mention it earlier. Like, hmm, I can't recall a single scene where Peggy was. Did she even really get any confessionals the whole
0: round? She gets like one or two, but it, they've never under edited a contestant like this. I would say
1: in a in a premiere that is.
0: Now, I would say normally we get a pretty good impression of pretty much what everyone in the cast's heads are at in the premiere. Whereas Peggy, we really don't. She gets a mention-ish at the start of the episode, although there really aren't that many, uh, or there isn't much content really from the first challenge about who these people are, which surprised me a little bit. She gets a confessional at the execution, as does everyone, and that's it.
1: And then you just have Horace saying, trust no one, like, 20 times.
0: Well, they have to give a shout out to everyone's favorite um podcast that isn't us. Yeah. So, my top three is really difficult, because if you've heard any of our previous mole seasons, we try and, for the first sort of three or four weeks, pick three suspects. But I'm really tunnel-visied on one person already. <laughs> and that, oh, you're the worst for tunnel-visy. I know, and I... I said this on Twitter earlier when I was, I'd finished watching the episode, I can't help myself, but my pre-season suspicion of who it was going to be hasn't been dissuaded, which is the worst.
1: And who was that? Nicky. <laughs> okay, so Nicky's no
0: longer on my suspect list. <laughs> <sighs> I, I, uh, may I remind you, Mr. Saunders, who drafted the ball last season?
1: Yeah, but... who's your overall track record Michael?
0: Whether that was entirely by default is a whole nother story but I did draft Rob last season and I'm going to be mindful of that and you know Your seventh or eighth pick Yeah, ninth but uh, (laughs) he was literally the last person drafted Um, Yeah, I'm kind of sort of busy on Nikki at the moment Her, Ron and Tina were basically the three people who everyone knew was going to be on this cast and the three people who pretty much are on every rumored at Castles for this season. Nikki especially, because there is a picture on her Instagram of her in the hills near Monticello with Rick.
1: She's not a subtle mole if she is one. No.
0: <laughs> I feel like they're going to pick a big, bombastic mole this season. Someone who really is ballsy with their sabotages. Like Miro. Yeah. I feel like they're going to pick a mole who is going to be a popular mole. And nobody coming into this season is as popular as Nikki is. So Nikki was always going to kind of be up there for me, but she really took charge of that that name game, the second challenge. She really, really, really took charge of it. And it felt like the entire world was revolving around Nikki in that challenge. And I know I've got Tunnel Vizzy, and I know I'm going to be horrendously wrong when she gets executed. Next week but I just can't shake the feeling that it is Nicky right now. And the worst thing for you and Michelle is I get first draft, so I'm probably going to get Nicky. <laughs> All right, on that note... Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't think I've got anything else to say. I don't think you have either. Nope. So, thank you for listening to our Vista Mole Renaissance Premiere recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the newest mole in Italy. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, RTB Warriors, or you can email us at contact.rtvwarriors.com. At Logan is on Twitter, as always, at Logs of Kawaki, and I'm MJ Halpstone. See you next week.
1: Peace out, and just chill till the next of flavouring.